podcast 1940, big discounts on EVs, an off-road win for Rivian, and Hyundai sign a massive new battery deal. Plus, stay tuned for what Elon Musk just did at the US Grand Prix, which got everyone talking. But first, big discounts on electric vehicles. The Model 3 was the big driver of this in the United States over the last 12 months, a 17% drop on its base sticker price over the last 12 months on the Model 3 has kicked off discounts around the EV industry. Other car makers and luxury brands especially are now altering their prices as well. So a year ago, September 2022, the average price for an EV, if you strip out Tesla, was about $1,500 above the sticker price if you went to a dealer. Fast forward 12 months, average EV being sold for $2,000 less than the sticker price, a trend backed by Edmunds data. In comparison, the average new vehicle in the United States, irrespective of how it's propelled, was sold at a price about $900 less than its sticker price. Specific vehicle discounts on this trend include the e-tron GT from Audi, which has an average sticker price of $119,000. So no surprise that discounts of around $7,000 being sought on that ID4 and Nissan Aria coming with around two $3,000 discounts on sticker price. Link in the show notes if you'd like to find out more. The Colorado Air Quality Commission has mandated EVs starting from 2027 model year. And by 2032, actually, 82% of all new vehicles sold in Colorado must be fully electric or zero emission. They're not dictating the technology. They're just saying, don't spew stuff into the air. The state has a target to see 2 million EVs and trucks on its roads by 2035. And not just passenger cars, but they're looking at the commercial segment as well. A 40% requirement for semis and large trucks in Colorado to be zero emission in the next 12 years. Important to note, these rules don't translate into any kind of ban. So if you want to go on social media and see people saying, they're taking away my trucks, they're absolutely not. You can go buy a diesel if you want to. Colorado is just saying, we want zero emission vehicles on the road. They're not banning anything. They're just aspiring to a certain standard of air quality. That's okay. A lot of places around the world have done that. They're not actually banning petrol and diesel. They're just saying, hey, I mean, make whatever you want as long as it doesn't pollute. So that's cool. Cadillac Lyric next in the news. In Q3 this year, there were 3,018 units of the Lyric sold, which is interesting because I don't really see people talking about the Cadillac Lyric, but I wish I did because it's a really interesting vehicle. And there's 3,000 of them, more of them on the road. An additional 317 units in Canada, despite those numbers. Look, it's in the same segment as the Tesla Model Y, which had 94,000 units sold. Uh, bringing the total deliveries for the Lyric into perspective, 5,300 in the first three quarters and, you know, 3,000 of those in the last quarter. So it's, it is ramping, it is scaling, but it is up against an amazing best-selling EV like the Model Y. Three trim levels on the Lyric, tech, luxury, and sport. And what's interesting, rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. And if you look forward to what's coming next year, the Lyric V, which is high-performance, uh, different kind of aesthetics in terms of how it, the, the the car looks. Standard all-wheel drive, suspension and braking upgrades. And that could be really interesting. From a technical point of view, the rear-wheel drive Lyric has 314 miles EPA and 340 uh, horsepower. All-wheel drive does 307 miles EPA, but 500 horsepower. I get the feeling the Lyric is not meant to be a high-performance car, though, because you get enough performance with EVs. 
whichever way you look at it. But, uh, I mean, if you want it, you can get it on the Lyric and a high performance coming. That car seems more like it should all be about the experience, the luxury, and not necessarily about track performance. But still, I'd like to hear more about the Lyric. They're, they're making them and delivering them. I just don't know why there's not more of a buzz. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong places. Now, let's talk about Giga Berlin's expansion. Tesla recently concluded the objection filing process for their German Giga factory. Uh, 1,079 objections filed, but many of them were mirroring each other, which just sounds like a copy and paste internet campaign kind of thing. Sample objections, they say, which means they don't really face many detailed discussions compared to what happened in 2020 and 2021. A big thing has been water usage around that. You'll see that reported in many outlets and, you know, Tesla battling that. But the environment minister, Axel Vogel, uh, talking a little bit about this and saying that the water consumption at their location in Germany has been substantially lower than they asked for. They had an agreement for 1.8 million cubic metres of water annually at their Berlin Gigafactory. They used 0.3 million cubic metres in the last year. Loads of headroom on that. And absolutely, we want companies, organisations, regardless of whether they make EVs or not, to respect the planet, to do the right thing by local areas. And local people should have their local say as well. And they should be listened to. But by the sounds of it, some of those objections have been overcome in the area. And hopefully, uh, we get some more cars coming out of Giga Berlin, which at the minute is just the Model Y. Model 3s all still being imported from Shanghai. Yes, I just paused to make sure that my brain was working, and it is. Yes, Model Y is coming out of with those two new colours as well, that new paint shop they've got in Berlin. Let's talk the Rivian R1T clinching its first major US off-road rally. It made history as the first EV to get the top spot in the Rebel Rally, uh, the longest map and compass-based off-road rally in the US in its eighth year. All-female teams, 2,120 kilometres, of course, with paper maps, compasses, and plotters. And both of the, the those in the vehicle actually work for Rivium. Uh, Lily uh, Macaruso and Alex Anderson handling navigation. They were in the Rivian R1T and they won the 4x4 category. Interestingly, no EV has managed to finish on in the X-Class or X-Cross-Class so far, but uh, that's still a great achievement. Uh, it was a, what they call a bone stock vehicle. Tires were different. No other mods. Some some stuff inside for like water storage and stuff, but uh, no other modifications were made to the vehicle after it came off the Rivian production line. What about charging vehicles in an off-road rally? Well, they do that with over the 10-day event using green hydrogen. So hydrogen made from excess renewables, 800 kilograms of it, and Four charging stations available for participants throughout the competition. So that's how they did that. And it's taken them a few years to get the charging right. I think in previous years, yeah, diesel generators used, but uh, that's not great. Sounds like they've got the handle on that, which is cool. Now, Tesla's Cybertruck has been... Uh, auctions on eBay. Not a real Cybertruck. Let me let me make that clear. Uh, it's actually the space in line to get a Cybertruck. Right. So somebody went on eBay and actually spent their own real money on getting a place in the queue. Uh, There's over a million reservations for the Cybertruck. Elon Musk told us that on the recent earnings call. So people are facing a delay of up to five years for delivery, depending on how they ramp. Overwhelming demand and wait time. So people are now selling their spot in the queue on eBay for between $5,000 and $10,000. Not for the vehicle, just 
for your space in the queue. Okay, well, have you got a little bit more money than sense? I mean, you do you. You go for it. Also, this is a genius move. Uh, Over the weekend at the Formula One, the Tesla Cybertruck was driven into the F1 race at Austin, Texas by Elon Musk, making a noticeable appearance. It did tend to stop the world as people had a look at that. The grand entrance viewed by many on social media as free marketing. It's what he does so well. It's what Tesla do so well. Fantastic part of the recent book about... Elon Musk by uh, Walter Isaacson was when they first unveiled the Cybertruck. Let's be generous and say that wasn't really a finished vehicle. I mean, they made one which drove, but Elon wanted to go take it for dinner and be pictured going out in it and tasked his engineers with make me something that moves. Well, okay, they make enough cars. They've got enough motors, wheels and things like that. But really fascinating that apart from the influencers that were given those little rides on the night of the reveal of the Cybertruck, they also had to make something that Elon could take to dinner because he knew it would get so much press and publicity. Brilliant free marketing and set up at Formula One, which is having a real resurgence in the US right now. These videos that have been shared, some 600,000 views online already. Uh, people calling it the best ad ever for the Cybertruck and lauding the free advertising on-site staff, guiding spectators away so that Elon Musk could drive through. That is, you know, just what he does really, really well. But we don't see so much of it these days, do we? Because he's running X Twitter, so his eyes are a little off the ball at Tesla. He would deny that, obviously. Uh, but we don't, we don't see so much of him online flying the flag for Tesla anymore. Maybe he doesn't need to. I mean, maybe he needs to just take a little half a step back and let that company mature into being a big car maker. Uh, race, not a scrappy startup anymore. Let's talk about Chinese EVs inspiring the established car makers. Michael Maurer has two decades of experience designing Porsches, 911s and Cayennes, and he's been talking in an interview with Car and Driver about the influence of Chinese new brands on vehicle designs coming out of Germany. They haven't got heritage, but they have got the chance to be fresh and disruptive. And these designs of the Chinese EVs have made, he says, have made the German car makers more willing to experiment, giving them the freedom to do things they wouldn't have been able to do. He says, these startups can do things completely differently. And he views it as a positive change, noting that it's made the decision makers, like those on the board, risk averse, read between the lines, more receptive to innovating. Oliver Bloom, CEO of VW, uh, recently emphasised the importance of design, uh, aiming to appeal to more electric vehicle enthusiasts, particularly in China, where they've really wobbled at VW, uh, leading with design rather than tech. BMW next in the news. Recent data from Edmunds, uh, referenced by Automotive News, reveals that BMWs are selling faster than their main competition, Mercedes-Benz. The I models from BMW typically sit on a dealership lot on average. I know this is an average of 38 days. Mercedes-Benz EQ vehicles, an average of 82 days versus 38 for BMW i models. And to put that into perspective, the industry average for a luxury EV is 57 days at a dealer. BMW hasn't brought the iX1, the iX2 to North America, which is a real shame. They're great vehicles. Mercedes held back on its entry-level vehicles, the EQA as well. But the EQB, 
is available in the US, five or seven seater on that. Fascinating to watch that battle go on. I think, meanwhile, the other luxury brand in there that you would be cross shopping, Audi, have been quietly getting on with selling a lot of their e-trons and doing really well. Now, let's talk about Renault's EV lineup in 2024. Going to be a big year for Renault. I want you to know that the Renault 5 and the Renault 4 are going to be reintroduced, and the Renault 4 E-Tech Electric has been seen with their concept cars, two of them actually, that over the years, uh, and very reminiscent of the compact Renault 4. Renault 5 gets its unveiling next year. So a proper, we finished it, this is what the car's going to look like, and here's the specs we see next year. That will be what succeeds the Renault Zoe in the small B segment and an electric counterpart to the much-loved Clio. One of the standout features of the upcoming vehicles built on the CMFA modular platform is their choice of components, batteries, motors, inverters, suspension, all chosen on the ability to put the vehicles together to be cost-effective. They know that with a Renault brand, pricing has got to be competitive versus their, their own combustion vehicles and other traditional vehicles. They're bringing the Renault Scenic soon, aren't they? I've talked about that on the podcast. 60 kilowatt-hour battery pack and an 87 kilowatt-hour battery pack, 215 horsepower. Renault Scenic, very famous MPV name over here, and that will come I don't know when it finally arrives. We've seen it already earlier this summer, and that looks like a sweet vehicle. Let's talk commercial vehicles and trucking. Uh, the Scania all-electric bus is the new rear-wheel drive bus from Scania. Two batteries. This is how it's about this. One of them is 416 kilowatt hours, and the other one is 520 kilowatt hours. Now, that is a battery. In optimal conditions, 500 kilometers on the big battery, 400Ks on the small battery. Uh, that battery technology coming from their partner, Northvolt, by the way. And they say that these new Scania all-electric buses, perfect for medium-duty city and suburban routes to heavier regional transit tasks. And that's uh, electric buses are so important. I must say for our US listeners as well, I've been reading some stuff recently about just mobility in various parts of the world. And I hadn't fully considered that there are many parts of the US, partly because of the size of the place, but many of my North American listeners as well, uh, that don't have a really robust public transport system. And over here, UK, Europe, much smaller, much more compact. We live on top of each other a bit more, but also we do have really good, at times, uh, in some places, Bus networks and train networks as well, either local or long-distance train networks. Not not even a patch on the long-distance Japanese and Chinese trains, but still maybe a more important development with EV buses in some parts of the world. EV pickups are next in the news facing demand fluctuations. The Cybertruck is going to be fascinating to watch. It's not really a piece of news, this, but I wanted to discuss it with you on the podcast because November 30th, we're a month away almost from seeing the Cybertruck go to its first real customers. They're going to be staff for Tesla. They always are, and there'll be a handful of them. But where does Cybertruck fit in now? Because Ford's lightning sales were down a little bit year over year. Uh, Ford cut a shift, one of their three shifts, making the F-150 Lightning in Detroit. GM is experiencing reduced demand for their EV pickups, delaying the conversion of the uh, Orion assembly plant in Michigan. 
Pushing back the Silverado EV and the Sierra EV from GMC to 2025. Not the whole vehicle, so they're going to have some additional production at that facility, and that's being pushed back. Ford has been seen with $7,500 cash rebates for the Lightning. Rivian's been doing well, though. 15,500 vehicles in Q3 delivered. That pleased Wall Street, by the way, up 23% on the previous quarter, Q2, earlier this year. But Tesla buyers typically, well, actually, Tesla buyers now have never bought a Tesla truck. So that's a first. Truck buyers don't particularly embrace electric power. I'm not speaking for all of them. That's a sweeping statement, I know. So let's see how truck culture adopts electric. And let's see if the kind of people who until now have been the bread and butter of the Tesla brand, many of them buying several Tesla vehicles, many of them just trading in the same thing for the same thing, but to get slightly newer models, multiple Tesla owners, I wonder if they'll go for a truck no one knows the answer and so i thought it's a good discussion point like where does the cyber truck fit in pricing specs it's been so many years now since we saw that vehicle none of what we were told originally is going to be the same it can't be it's going to be really expensive but where will it fit in the truck picture I can't wait to work that answer out. Let's talk Samsung and Hyundai. Big battery partnership. The world's third third largest automaker, the Hyundai Group, uh, using batteries from LG and SK until now, but doing a deal with Samsung to provide some of their prismatic batteries. Hyundai, until now, pretty much using pouch-type cells in their EVs. Samsung specializes in the prismatics, the big bricks, the blocks, going to be made in their Hungary facility over the next seven-year contract. And financial terms weren't made public, but you would think that they've got enough capacity there to do about half a million EVs, give or take, for uh, what's coming out there of their Hungary facility. The battery product from Samsung, known as the P6, is the sixth iteration of their prismatic batteries. Much higher energy density, uh, enriched with nickel in its cathode and silicon-based anode material. So that's it's for the more high-performance Hyundais and Genesis and Kia cars that we're going to see. Right, a couple more stories. EDF and Podpoint, EDF's a uh, electricity company over here. Podpoint make chargers and charge network. Uh, they uh, they are introducing what they say is the cheapest home charging tariff. Now, I use Octopus. Uh, as you know, Octopus are a sponsor of this podcast, by the way. But um, I uh, have for a long time been with Octopus, find them just uh, really competitive on price. But this new tariff called the Podpoint EV Exclusive with EDF is going to charge users 7.4 pence per kilowatt hour overnight, midnight to five. I do midnight 30, so 12.30 to 4.30. So that's a less one hour less. I think I pay nine p on current go. I imagine I don't know this. I'm guessing at some point in time, Octopus Go and I was on Go Faster before might not be the preferred overnight tariff in favour of the intelligent tariff they've got. But EDF for now with a small price cut, but therefore they get the bragging rights of. It's the cheapest overnight home charging tariff. Two more stories and a quickie on Tesla's financials, which is a bit of a hangover, but I missed this one. And that is their capital expenditure is going to surpass $7 billion. It's going to be in the region of 7 to $9 billion they spend on CapEx in 2023. Aggressive manufacturing expansion in certain places. There has been a dip in deliveries, which impacted earnings because they've been modifying some of their factories around the world for the new Model 3, refreshed Model Y as well. But the official regulatory documents, I don't get so much attention, but we got those today indicating the company anticipates capital spending to align with the original 
seven to nine billion dollars for the next two years. Elon Musk suggested a potential delay in making vehicles in Mexico on the recent call, highlighting interest rates concerns because, of course, a lot of car loans depend on the interest rates. A good, it's a good point we don't talk about enough. And uh, Tesla, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, has been engaged in a pricing strategy to maintain their sales numbers. And finally, I thought I'd let you know the Japanese mobility show this week will be a platform for local automakers to show off their, you would hope, move to electric vehicles. Toyota, Honda, Nissan. I faced criticism recently for their slow transition to bring out any kind of new EVs. But, well, if you are based in Japan and you look round, it's not going to be something that you see day to day, day in, day out. 1.5% of new car sales in Japan have a plug socket on the side. So no wonder if you go for a walk at lunchtime and you work at, you know, Toyota. I'm not saying these smart people haven't got access to data, but, you know, you walk down the street, you don't see EVs. Like, you're based in California or something, and even here. Like, I'm in a little town in the south of England on a beach called... I'm in Poole, but it's next to Bournemouth. And I saw, like, four white Model Ys today just drive past me. And I'm in a small town, and I'm thinking, yeah, this EV thing, I think it's definitely happening. We'll keep an eye on Japan this week. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.